hey, good morning again. What's up, guys? Hey, uh, hey, if you've got a Bible, I want you to go ahead and open up your Bible. Now, if you've been to Summit, uh, if you've been coming to Summit all through January and everything, we're about to go to a very familiar place. But if you've got a Bible, I want you to go ahead and open it up or turn it on to the book of Ephesians. You're like, man, we just did a, sto- did a series through the book of Ephesians. Well, we're going to start here today. Ephesians chapter Five is where I want you to turn. So if you've got a Bible, I want you to go ahead and open up your Bible, turn it on to Ephesians 5. But hey, if you don't have a Bible at all, don't worry about it because the words are going to be up on the screen behind me in just a moment. Um, but uh, but uh, let's pray real quick and we're going to get started. Man, we're going to have a good time today. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for today and God, just for how you're going to speak to us. And so God, I pray that right now you would just calm our hearts, take away all distractions and Jesus speak in a clear way, God, because there are people who are here, God, their marriage feels like it's over, their life feels like it's stuck, they've come looking for answers, looking for solutions, and whether they know it or not, you are what they're looking for. And so, Father, I pray that you would speak to us and be so real in the room right now. Thank you for the time of worship and song that we just had. Thank you for the time of worship we're about to enter into in your word. Jesus, speak and do great things in your name. Amen. Um, hey, let me get some crowd participation here just so we can get kind of the landscape, uh, just uh, to know what we're doing here today. We are starting a marriage series, so it's just good to know this kind of stuff. Uh, married people in the room. If you're married, would you raise your hand? Married people in the room. Okay, wow, a lot of people married in the room. Okay, put your hands down, put your hands down. Now, single people, if you're single, raise your hand. You're not married, raise your hand. If you are not married, raise your hand. Keep your hand and put your hand high up in the air. Single people, you should be looking around right now. Put your hands up in the air. You should be looking around. I am helping you at the moment. Look around, okay? Okay, put your hand. Thank you very much. Okay, now now listen, you're single. Maybe you just saw somebody raise their hand and they were worshiping Jesus in a particularly attractive way. Hello? Right, right now, all you got to do, you, I mean, I'll, I'll help you out. So you're single and you're looking to mingle this morning. That's why you came to church and you saw somebody with their hand raised. Here's all you got to do. All right, we're at church. There's some good church pickup lines out there. Okay, so I'm just trying to serve. So when service is over, if somebody raised their hand that you're kind of checking out, here's what you do, fellas and fellas. You got to take the initiative on this because you're the man. So you just walk up to that girl and you say, "That's a nice Bible you're carrying. I like that Bible." It's over, fellas, right there, and we'll just do the ceremony as soon, because I'm telling you, that works, all right? So, but today we are kicking off a series called, uh, called Weird Marriage, and, and maybe you're here, and I know we got this question a lot, we've sent out a lot of things about this series and really pushed it, uh, but maybe you're here and you're thinking, well, what's that mean? What, what does weird marriage mean? Why did you name it that? And really, here's why uh, it's called Weird Marriage. Here's why this series that we're starting today is called weird marriage, it's because normal isn't working anymore. Normal marriage, the way that a lot of people think about marriage, maybe even the way that you think about marriage, it's not working anymore. And let me just give you a few examples of that. One, everybody knows, 50% of marriages end in divorce. 50%. And maybe that one time, maybe at one time that statistic really hit you hard. Wow, I can't believe it's that many. But now we're so used to that. Now we can say that and we don't even flinch. Oh yeah, 50% of marriages end in divorce. That's normal. Or even married couples, they, they're married, they're in the same house, sleeping in the same bed, but their lives are going in separate directions. And they've just resigned themselves to thinking, oh well, this is, 
normal. This is the way it's always going to be. Couples are drifting apart. Couples are struggling to stay together. I talk to people week after week who come to me all the time, Mark, my marriage is falling apart. What do I do? And so for a lot of people, they just think that's normal marriage. Maybe you're here and you're single and you're looking at your friends and they're married and they're just really unhappy. And they're looking at you and they wish they were back in your single shoes. And you're thinking, man, is that normal? Well, here's the good news. God has a better plan for you, for your marriage, for your relationships, for your life than normal. Instead of growing apart, God's got a plan for your marriage to grow together. Instead of simply surviving your marriage, God wants your marriage to thrive because of what God says and what we're going to talk about about marriage over the next couple of weeks. I'm telling you that the best days of your marriage are not behind you. They can be in front of you, okay? But, but, but here's the problem with that. Here's why this is hard. It's because the culture that we live in sets us up for failure, doesn't it? We, we, live, in a, we live in a world where the culture sets us up for failure when it comes to marriage because the culture tells us all kinds of different messages, preaches all kinds of different sermons to us about marriage, about relationships, and maybe you've bought into one of these lies that the culture says. So the culture will say this to us. Here's something that the culture says. It says, hey, if your marriage is hard, you're not happy, get out. Just get out. If, if the marriage is, is not going the way you thought it was, if it's hard, there's some conflict, maybe there's a lot of conflict. Just hit the eject button. Just get out. Hey, they're probably your starter wife anyway. Have you ever heard that? Right? Don't look at her. Right? Or, or another thing that the culture tells us is this. You need to keep your options open. Hey, man, you need to keep your options open. You'll probably find somebody way hotter than she is. Probably find somebody way more attractive than he is. You know what? You, you need to keep your options open because you'll probably find someone with more in common than you have in common with him. Don't make that kind of commitment of marriage. Listen, you need to keep your options open. Listen, don't commit to marriage. Just live together. Did he say that? Uh-oh. Right? Don't, don't make the commitment of marriage. Hey, just, just move in together. Just live together is what the culture says. And hey, you know what? If it doesn't work out, you haven't committed anything, you can move out. Don't make that commitment. You need to keep your options open. Or here's another one. Hey, you know what? You need to sleep around. You, you need to sleep around. You're single. Listen, don't listen to anything this guy's going to say, the Bible's going to say about purity or sex between a husband and a wife within the context of marriage. Listen, you need to sow your oats right now. You need to sleep around. You need to just experiment and try different things because it's just sex is what the culture says. It's just sex. But, but listen, listen, listen. If it was really just sex... And you got to understand, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk this way in church, all right? All right? Some of you are like, is, he, is, is that the S word? We're in church. Shouldn't he just talk about Jesus? That's why we got to talk about stuff like this in church, because people get upset when you talk about stuff like this in church, and then when people make horrible decisions about stuff you can't talk about in church, where's the first place they think to bring people to get them cleaned up? The church. Well, you shouldn't get mad when we talk about it. So when we'll talk about it. But, but, so, so, Maybe that's it. Listen, if it's just sex, why is there so much baggage with it? The, the people that you know that are doing that, they're promiscuous, they're going out, they're trying all these different things. Why aren't they the happiest people that you know? Why, is it, why, is it, why isn't it cashing the check that they're saying it right? Hey, man, this is the way you need to live. They're living that way. Why isn't 
Why don't they experience everything they're telling you they're experiencing? Or here's one, here's another. Uh, this is probably the biggest thing that the culture tells us when it comes to relationships. You're single, married, whatever it is. You need to be looking for the one. Have you heard that? Have you heard about this mythical creature that's out there called the one? Right? Right? There's this girl out there for you, fellas, and if you don't find her, you have married the wrong one. Ladies, 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 there is a man out there, one man, only for you, and if you marry the wrong man, your life is over. So you better find the one. Hey, listen, let's be honest. That's why some of you came today, looking for the one. Raise, single people raise their hands. Oh, there's the one right there. Fifth row, third seat over, like your Bible. You're going to do that, right? Looking for the one. You wear that outfit every day, looking for the one. You're hoping that you're going to find the one. Hey, you know what? There's some married people in the room. You're wondering if you married the one. And listen, listen, listen. Let me help you out right now. Let me help you out right now. If you're married, you married the one. Okay, once you put a ring on it, once you said, I do, you married the one. How do you know that? Because you married them. Your husband is your one. Your wife is your one, period. All right? You married them. But, but that's, you're walking around, you're looking everywhere for the one. And all of that is what we think the world tells us is normal. But here's what I know, and and there's a lot of people here today, I don't know a lot of you, but I know deep down, nobody wants that. Like, there isn't a single married couple in the room in the world that entered into their marriage and said, you know what, we're going to have a beautiful wedding, the honeymoon's going to be great, in a few years we're going to have an angry, bitter divorce. It's going to be awesome. Nobody says that. Nobody talks that way. Maybe Kim Kardashian, but no normal person talks that way, right? Right? There's no little girl in the world that pretends that the prince who's coming on the white horse to rescue her is the one with commitment issues. You know what I'm saying? That's not what you want. You want more than normal. In fact, God wants more than normal for you. See, because when we talk about marriage and we think about this idea of marriage, we need to know that we didn't make this up. God did. You read in Genesis 1 and 2, when God created everything at the very beginning, God created Adam, and and God said it's not good that Adam's alone, so God made Eve, and they came together, and they were married. Marriage is God's idea. God puts more weight and emphasis on marriage than any one of us in the room. And and so here's what we're going to do over the next couple of weeks. What we're doing in this series is we just want to simply figure out how can we have the marriages, how can we have the relationships, how can we have the life that God wants us to have. That's all we're doing in this series. How can we have the marriages and the relationships that God wants us to have? But, but let, me, let me give a little disclaimer. Let me give, let me give a little disclaimer, okay? Well, here's a disclaimer. You need to know that we're not doing this series, I'm not doing this series from the vantage point of having a perfect marriage, okay? You need to know, I, listen, listen, I've got issues. Man, I don't even have issues. I've got subscriptions, okay? Listen, just from the fact that I'm in my marriage means there's issues, there's stuff. Listen, there is no such thing as a perfect marriage. Did you know that? No marriage is perfect. 
Every marriage needs help. Every marriage needs work. Every marriage could take some steps forward. So this is not a series where people are going to come up on the stage and yell at you and they're just waiting for you to catch up. No, we're all on the journey together. But maybe you're here and you're thinking, well, this sounds like a marriage series. I'm not married. I'm single. I'm divorced. Listen, it doesn't matter if you're single or you're married. It doesn't matter where you're at. This is a series for you. There's going to be something. God's going to move in your life every single week. And and you might even be here, and here's where you're at today. You might be here, and you're thinking, you know what, man? I, I don't really believe in all this God stuff. I don't really know if Jesus is real. I'm not really sold on everything that we just sang. But I do know that my family needs a lot of help. I do know that I don't, I don't know if my wife's going to be with me in, in three months. So I don't know about all this, this Christian stuff that you're throwing right now, but I know that we need help. And listen, if that's you, I want you to know, man, you're in the best place you could possibly be today. We started this church for you. So all the questions and the doubts and the disbeliefs that you have, you need to know, hey, you know what? You're in a safe place to, to ask people. You're in a safe place to struggle through those. But listen, listen, listen. Here's what I want to talk to you about. If that's you, I want you to make this commitment with me. In fact, I want everybody to make this commitment with me. I'm not going to ask you to do anything out loud or anything at all, but I want you to make this commitment with me. I want you to make the commitment that you'll be here every week for this series. Because I'm telling you that if you're here every week for this series and, and, and begin to put into practice what we talk about when we're on the other side of this series, you'll see change in your life. You'll see some steps forward in your marriage. If you'll come and say, you know what, I don't know about everything that he says, but I'm willing to try it. If you do that, I guarantee God will meet you where you are and take you to a place you never thought you could go. Okay? Deal? I think we can make that deal. So let's go. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 5 is where we're going to be. Ephesians chapter 5, and we are going to be in verses 25 through verse 33. Now, if you're here, you don't have a Bible. Listen, when you leave in just a few moments, there's free Bibles there in the back. Just take one. No questions asked or anything like that. Just grab one of those. But go ahead, turn your Bibles on, open it up. The words are going to be up on the screen behind me. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 25 through verse 33. It says this, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound. And the mystery that he's talking about here is the mystery of marriage, okay? This mystery, he's not saying, fellas, your wife is hard to figure out, because most of the men could say what? Amen, all right? Don't look at her. This mystery is profound. He's talking about the mystery of marriage because God's going to expand our view of marriage here, about to blow our minds. In fact, he's about to say something weird, the way he looks at marriage. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it, it is marriage. I'm saying that marriage refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she 
respects her husband. See, what's happening here, God tells us the way that he thinks about marriage. And God says that marriage isn't primarily about your needs being met. It's not about whether you're happy or not. In fact, God says marriage is about something way bigger than that. Because from God's perspective, marriage is a picture of how Jesus loves the church. You say, what does that mean? How did Jesus love the church? Here's how Jesus loved the church. Jesus loved the church, men and women, men and women who have given their lives to him, who have said, Jesus, I've sinned, I've done things that I shouldn't have done, lived for things other than you, I need you to save me. I, I, some of you, that's where you're at today. You're here, you're not a Christian, you're here, maybe you've got a lot of questions, just giving church a test drive, you're not a Christian at all, and you need to know in just a few moments today, you're going to have the opportunity to make the most important decision of your life and begin a relationship with Jesus Christ. But Jesus leaves heaven 2,000 years ago, and he puts skin on, and he lives over 30 years, and he dies on a cross, and three days later, he comes back from the grave. And the reason that he does that is because he loves you. He loves those who will give their life to him. He loves the world. And what Jesus does is he puts your needs above his own. He serves you when we don't want to serve him. He cares for us when we don't care for him. He wants to serve us. He pursues us. He loves us. And so Jesus says that marriage is a picture of the way that I love you. This is what he means when he says, husbands, love your wives like Jesus loved the church. You should serve your wife. You should pursue your wife. You should care for your wife because marriage is a picture of something bigger than us. But then he goes even further than that, and he says this. It's in verse 26 and 27. I think we're going to bring those verses back up on the screen. Listen to these verses. It's talking about Jesus, how he cares for the church, how he loves the church. And it says this, that he, Jesus, might sanctify her, that's the church, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. Now watch this. So that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot, or wrinkle, or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. Here's what he means. If you're here, you've got a relationship with Jesus. The picture that he's just painted is that Jesus has started something in your life. He's saved you. He's at work in you. And listen to me, Christian, this is awesome. One day, he's going to finish what he started in your life. Isn't that good? Aren't you pumped for that? Aren't you excited about that? Here's what he means. One day, Christian, you are going to stand before God perfect and complete. That might feel a million miles away from where you're at right now. But Christian, listen to me. One day, you're going to stand before God and you will never hurt anymore. One day, you are going to stand before God and you'll never be afraid anymore. Jesus is going to finish what he started in your life. And so he's, you're, you're hearing this and you're thinking, well, what does that have to do with marriage? What does those people, what do, what do God's people standing in front of God have to do with marriage? Here's what it has to do with marriage. He's saying this, husbands, one day you will stand before God. Wives, one day you will stand before God. I don't know where you're at today spiritually. I don't know if you've ever thought about that, but do you realize that's where your life is heading? One day you are going to stand before God. One day your kids are going to stand before God. Did you know that? And you're not going to be that answer for them. You're not going to be right there. Well, Jesus, let me answer that question. No, it's just going to be them. 
One day your grandkids are going to stand before God. This is where your marriage is heading, God says, to a divine appointment where you will stand before God. That's where your marriage is headed. So, so after the wedding, after the honeymoon, after the new house, after the job, after the layoff, after the promotion, after the new car, after the good, after the bad, after sex, after kids, after practice, after graduation, after retirement, after death, all of us have a divine appointment where we will stand before God. And so we better be ready. In fact, he says, we need to start today getting ready for that day. Say, well, Mark, listen, man, that sounds nice and all, but I need help with my marriage today. I could stand before God thousands of years from now. It could be 10 years from now. I don't know when that's going to be, but Mark, I need help with my marriage today. So that's great talking about that stuff, but what can you give me for right now? So here we go. Let me give you one thing today. I want to give all of us one thing that will not only help us get ready for that day, but it will help us right now. If you want to take your marriage to the next level, I want to give you one thing right now that can do it. If your marriage is on the brink of falling apart, I'm going to give you one thing right now that could save your marriage. If you're single and you want to avoid the heartbreak and the devastation that you see a lot of people in relationships going through, I'm going to give you one thing right now that could keep you from that. And here it is. Are you going to write it down? Nobody said yes. So let's move forward. You need to write this down. Here it is. Here it is. Seek God together. If you're married, you want to you take your marriage to another level, you want to save your marriage from the brink, it feels like it's falling apart, here's the one thing that I've got for you today. Seek God together. You're here, you're, you're single, here's one for you, okay? You're not married, here's what you should write down. Seek God more than the one. Seek God more than the one. The one. You say, why should I seek God more than the one? Why should we seek God together? Here's why. Because God wants to be the center of our lives. Did you know that? God wants to be the center of our lives, including our marriages. He's not interested in being third wheel. Jesus isn't interested in us just kind of dating him, you know, where we pick him up on Sunday and then we drop him off after church is over. No, he wants to be the center of our marriages, so that more and more we realize our marriage isn't about me, it's not about my needs, it's not about my spouse, it's about him. It's about something bigger than me. He wants to be the center of our marriages. But see, if God's going to be the center of our marriages, then he needs to be the center of our lives. God needs to be the center of our lives. So let me ask a question today. Is God the center of your life? What's at the center of your life today? Is Jesus the center of your dating relationships? Is Jesus at the center of the way that you think about that person that you want to marry? Because listen to me, if you're here, you're not married, but you're dating, that kind of deal. Listen to me. You're going to have a hard time convincing anybody that Jesus is at the center of your life if you're dating someone right now and you don't even know if they're a Christian. All right? Say this, you say, well, they believe in God. Well, I don't know if they're a Christian, Mark, but they believe in God. Do you know who else believes in God? The devil. 
The devil. So congratulations, you're dating Satan, right? Congratulations. Take, take him home to mom. Mom, the devil, mom, the devil, right? right? Congratulations. The devil believes in God. It's not does he believe in God or not. Does he love Jesus, right? Because if you want Jesus to be the center of your life, you need to be with somebody that Jesus is at the center of their life. And if he's not, you don't want anything to do with them. Is Jesus at the center? Seek God together. Seek God more than the one. Okay, Mark, how can we do that? How can we, as a married couple, begin to seek God together? How can I start to seek God more than that person that I need to be with? Let me give you two very practical ways that you can begin to seek God together or seek God more than the one. Here we go. Two ways to seek God together or seek God more than the one. The first one, read the Bible together. Read the Bible together. If you're here, you're not married, read the Bible. All right? Say, why why you say that? Here's why. Here's why. Listen to what he says here in, in verse 26. That he, Jesus, might sanctify the church, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. With the word. The, the word that he's talking about there is, is the word about Jesus Christ. It's the word of God. See, here's what you need to know. This book here, the reason we talk about the Bible, we preach the Bible here at Summit, we love the Bible, is because this isn't just a book. This was written by God. And so if you want God to speak into your marriage, if you want to know what God thinks about dating, if you want to know where God stands on any issue, if you want to hear God's voice, you need to get into the Bible. Listen, the loudest voice in your marriage needs to be God's voice, right? The loudest voice in your marriage needs to be God's voice. And here's why. Do you remember when you were dating your spouse and you thought they were perfect, right? Oh, I just can't wait till we get married. He's, he's just going to make me so happy. We're going to cuddle and spoon every night. And, 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 and she's just going to make me awesome dinners. And oh my goodness. And then you got married. What? They're so awesome. And they snore. Right? Fellas, you're asleep and all of a sudden you feel a toenail just drag down your leg. What is that? Right? That wasn't on your radar when you were perfect in dating. Do you know why? Because you could pick her up and drop her off. Funny thing about a wedding is that the guests go home and, oh my gosh, what did we do? I got to take you home. Man, it wasn't in the car, right? And so, so you're looking at your spouse right now. You're looking at your marriage. You're thinking this. It's not supposed to be this hard. It should be way easier than this. You need God to speak into your marriage and remind you that you're both broken. Of course there's conflict. Of course it's hard. She's a sinner. You're a sinner. Two sinners, conflict. Of course, you need God to speak. You need God's voice to speak into your marriage. You need God to be the loudest voice in your marriage so that he can remind you when your spouse hurts you deeply, you need to forgive. Because the easiest thing to do, right, that you've asked them to, do, to not do that a thousand times and they did it this week. And man, it's easy to hold on to bitterness and to rage and give the cold shoulder. Silence in the house for days. But listen, that might make you feel good, but the only person that anger and that bitterness and that resentment hurts is you. 
And what you need is you need God to speak into your life, into your marriage, to remind you, hey, you need to forgive them just as I forgave you. I won't give up on you. I'm not gonna turn my back on you. That's the exact same way that you need to treat them. Yes, they've hurt you. Yes, they've wounded you. But you need to forgive. Some of you, you need to hear God's voice speak into your marriage because when you begin to listen to God's voice, God's gonna say this, stay. Don't leave. Everything outside looks, that like, looks like you should. That should be the easiest decision to make. Everybody's telling you, leave. But all of a sudden, God's begin, God begins to speak into your life. Stay. Some of you are here, you're divorced. You used to go to another church. They told you never to come back. You had Christian friends that have told you, hey, you know what? You blew it too hard, man. There's no way you can rebuild your life. If that's you, you need to listen to God's voice. You need to get God's voice into your life so that he can begin to remind you You're not done. I'm not finished with you. You are more than that divorce. That might be a part of your story, but it's not your story. Summit, remember the brand new series we just did? Yes, that might have happened to you, but that's not who you are. You are brand new, and you need God to remind you of that because other people might tell you the opposite. You're here, you're single. Friends and family and people putting pressure on you to sell out and to experiment sexually, be with somebody you know you don't need to be with, you need God's voice in your life to say, don't go there. You are, you are worth more than that. I've got a better plan for your life than that. And so read the Bible, get God's voice, make God's voice real big in your marriage. And see, so, so let's get real practical. I'm not saying that married couples need to go home and read the New Testament this week, Okay? That, that's not what I'm saying. Because I've done church long enough to know there's a guy here in the audience, you got a type A personality, and you're right, baby, we're going to go home, we're going to read the book of Leviticus tonight. No, you're not. You're going to get to chapter 3 and read how they're taking the entrails of goats and splattering them on walls, and you're going to be like, baby, I'm scared. Can you hold me? Can we just, can we spoon? Right? Because it's going to freak you out, fellas. Right? I'm not talking, read the New Testament this week. I'm not talking, memorize the book of Romans this week. Here's what I would say. Let's be very honest right now. If you're here and you have never read the Bible with your spouse, you've never prayed with your spouse, you've never done anything spiritual with your spouse at all, I'm challenging you one time this week, read the Bible with your spouse. Just once. Just once. And if you do that once, if you do that once, watch what happens next week, go for two. Maybe a week after that, Go for three. But I'm just challenging you if this is completely new. One time, one time this week. You say, all right, how do I get started? I'm glad you asked. We got a couple ways for you to do that today. When you leave in just a moment, there's green books at the back. We call those books Seek First. And those books just give you something to do about four or five minutes a day, every day, Take your relationship with Jesus to another level. You should grab one of those on your way out, and you and your spouse do one day this week. If you're not into that, you know what? I know a lot of you read the Bible on like your phone, your iPhone, your iPad, and that sort of thing. If you go to Summit's Facebook page, my Facebook page right now, you'd probably see a Bible reading plan that goes right along with this series that we've, met, that we've got that you can download and put on your iPod, iPhone, or whatever it is called From This Day Forward. Say, how can I find it? Here's how you can find it. You go to the app store and you look for an app. Here's what this app is called. The Bible. You should write that down. The Bible. Get that and you can find that plan. You can download it right now. But here's what I'm challenging you to do. 
one time this week. If you're single, I'm challenging you to one time this week discipline yourself to where you're going to put yourself in a place where you can hear God's voice. Husbands, listen to me. Husbands, you need to take charge of this. Because did you know that God calls you to be the spiritual leader in your house? Did you know that, men? It's not personality. It's not your background. When he says at the beginning of what we read, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church, what he means is, husbands, you are to be the spiritual leader of your house. Teenagers, boys, men, wherever you're at, wherever you're at at this season of life, you're to be the spiritual leader. If you are married, when you get married, you're to be the spiritual leader of your house. So fellas, you need to take the step. You need to step up to the plate and take the initiative and do this this week. Now ladies, let's pretend this happened. Imagine with me, you're here, you're married, ladies, and your husband walks up to you this week and he says this. He's never done this before. Never. But he walks up to you and he says this. He does this. He says, hey, uh, you want to, uh, you want to uh, read the Bible? You want, to, you want to read the Bible? Here's what you don't do, okay? Don't look at your husband if he does that and say, well, <laughs> yeah. Now listen, I know you're only doing that because that preacher told you you need to read the Bible with me. Only reason you coming at me with your Bible is because that preacher told you to come and say that to me. Now listen, listen, listen. Can I just say as the preacher, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with doing what the preacher says? Nothing's wrong with doing what the preacher says. But listen, listen, don't say that to him. You need to encourage him in this. That's exactly why, I don't know if you noticed this, that's exactly why at the end of, the, uh, of what we read here, the last verse, listen to the last verse we read, verse 33, it says this. However, let each one of you love his wife <clears throat> and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Let the wife see that she respects her husband. Now, respect is a two-way street, isn't it? Amen? Amen? Five people said amen, Right? So husbands, you should respect your wife. Hey, ladies, can I get an amen? Husbands, you should respect your wife. So if you're at work talking about, well, it's time to clock out and go home, the old ball and chain. No wonder your marriage stinks, bro. No wonder she drugged your sorry butt to church today. I can't believe we're here, darling. Well, it's because you stink. That's why you're here. Right? My goodness. Husbands, respect your wives. But ladies... Respect your husbands. Listen, you can't put a price tag on the impact that respect and encouragement will have on your man. You can't do it. So, so if your husband comes to you, takes this initiative, encourage him. Say, he's never done this before. He might become the next Billy Graham. Right? All of a sudden, you're reading the Bible together. He's praying before meals. Never done this before. Encourage him in that. Walk up to him and you're by yourself. Right? Walk up to him, you're by yourself. Walk up to him and say, baby, the way you blessed those mashed potatoes tonight was awesome. So, so glad, so glad you're my man. I want to make out right now. That's, a, that's, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm just trying to serve. All right? I'm just trying to help the fellas out because we're on the same team. Men, somebody's, there's a guy in the house going to read the Bible this week looking for that. Make out. 
read the Bible. I love church. Amen. So number one, number one, re- how are we going to seek God together? Read the Bible together. Read the Bible together. But here's number two. All right. All right. Now, we've had fun. Hardest part's right now, and we're done. This is the hardest part. I promise, hardest part. Number two, pray, God, change me. Hardest part right now. Saved it, saved it for the end. Pray, God, change me. See, you don't like that because somebody in the room, you're hearing this and thinking, but you don't know how he treats me. You don't know how she doesn't respect me. You don't know what I deal with from him on a daily basis or with her. They need to change. Listen, I'm not saying they don't. I'm not shoving that underneath the rug. Of course they need to change. But don't get to the place where you're at, where you're thinking, God, you need to change them, you need to change them, and you miss that God wants to do a great work in you as well. God wants to change you as well. So pray, God, change me. If God's going to be the center of our marriages, it's got to start with, God, change me. Change me in the way that that I react. Change me in my motivations. Change me in the things that I live for. Change me deep down. Some of you are here and you're single. And you're just focusing on the one and looking for this person. How about this instead? Instead of focusing on the one, that person that's out there, why don't you begin to focus on becoming the one. Why don't you begin to focus right now on becoming the person that God wants you to be? Because let's be honest, if God brought him today, would you be ready? What if every teenager in the room became obsessed with becoming the person that God wanted them to be so that you wouldn't sell out for sex? You wouldn't sell out for some guy. You wouldn't sell out for some girl. You wouldn't settle for some future that's so small, God's not even on God's radar, but you became obsessed today with becoming who God wants you to be. If every teenager in the room, if one teenager in the room became obsessed with that, the world would change tomorrow. What if? What if? What if in your marriage, what would it do at your house? How would it revolutionize your marriage if you became obsessed with God change me? Some of you, that's exactly why you came today. You didn't come because we're kicking off some marriage series. You didn't come because maybe you got the day off. You came because before you were even born, God penciled in a divine appointment with you because today was going to be the very first day you cried out to Him and said, God, change me. See, because if you get your marriage right, if you get your kids right, if you solve all those other problems and those deals in your life, but you miss a relationship with Jesus Christ, you have missed it all. Because on that day when you stand before God, the only issue on the table is did you have a relationship with Jesus? You were made for that. But the problem was that sin entered into our lives. We, we did things God said not to do. We lived for things other than Him. And sin severed that relationship. See, God loves us so much. He pursued us 
He came after us so that we could have that relationship with him. And right there where you sit, listen to me, because maybe you have a church background and this is what you think. I need to be perfect first. No, you don't. If you could be perfect first, Jesus didn't need to die for you. He had to die for us because none of us could get our act together. You, you might be here and you said, you said this, hey, you know what? I prayed that prayer when I was little. Yeah, but now you're 50. It's not about praying a prayer. It's not about something that you've done. Do you have a relationship with Jesus? If not, you're thinking about that moment when you would stand before God and you have no idea what would happen to you. Let's get that settled today, men. Let's get that settled today, women. Let's get that settled today, teenagers. Let's get that settled today, wherever you're at. You can leave today having started a relationship with Jesus Christ. And all you need to do, because he's made every way possible, he's done everything necessary so that you can start that right now. All you need to do right there in your seat is to go to him in just a moment and say, Dear God, forgive me for my sin. Change me. Make me new. And he promises to do it. For you're here and you're a Christian and, and the whole time you've been thinking about your spouse. And the whole time you've been thinking about that argument this week. And the whole time you've been thinking, I don't know if we're going to make it. Right now in this moment, here's what I know. God wants to do a work What if the thing to save your marriage was simply the prayer, God change me? What if the thing that could revolutionize your life was simply the prayer, God change me? So I'm going to ask us to pray right now, and, and, and I'm going to give us just a moment, just a moment of silence. As the band plays, just a moment for you to go to God in your own, in your own language, your own way, where you sit and to say, God, change me. And here's what I want you to do. Listen to what he says. There's some Christians in the room. Man, he's already putting pressure on something that he's been telling you to deal with for years. You're getting pressure today. I'm telling you, he's not doing that put you in prison. He's doing that set you free. Some of you are here. You're going to pray that prayer. God's going to point out something in your life you didn't even know were there was there. Or some of you are here. You're going to pray that prayer and realize, I need to begin a relationship with Jesus. But I want to challenge you, every one of us in the room, right now, silently to yourself, with every head bowed, with every eye closed, would you make that your prayer? God, change me. Let's pray, church. With every head bowed, with every eye closed. Father, that is our prayer. God, change me. Yeah, yeah, there, there's issues and yeah, there's stuff. In our lives and in our families, there's stuff at work and at school. There's stuff in that relationship. But I need to change. Just pray that right now where you're at. Not asking anybody to move at all right now. Now here's the deal. Some of you know right now God is telling you, hey, you need to deal with this. You need to make a move. You need to get things right. You need to get this out of your life. Or you need to go and you need to pray for your family. You need to do whatever it takes to deal with that issue. Here's what I would say to us. Whatever it is God's dealing with you about right now, He doesn't want you to deal with it privately on your own. 
He wants, you, he wants to, to come alongside of you with other people and to help you deal with this. And so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to count to three. And as soon as I say three, if you're here, God's shown you something in your life. You need to pray with somebody. You're struggling at home. You're struggling with life. You're hurting. God's shown you. Hey, let's deal with this today. As soon as I say three, I want you, whether you're a Christian, doesn't matter where you're at, if that's you, as soon as I say three, I want you to get up out of your seat, make your way to the back of the auditorium. There are people who want to pray with you today. As soon as I say three, I want you just not even to look around, but to get up and just let God deal with you today. Can we just do that? Can we just do business with God? Summit, I believe that's why you came. Believe you came to meet with him and for nothing less. One, two, three. Get up out of your seat right now. If God's dealing with you, he's shown you something in your life you need to go and pray with somebody about, you go right now. You get up and you go. Maybe God's shown you something in your life that you need to let go of. You get up and you move right now. People are moving. You get up and go. Maybe you need to go back and pray for your marriage. You get up and go. There are people in the back right now who want to pray for you, who want to encourage you. You get up. Listen, you be obedient to what God is telling you to do today. If you need to pray with somebody, you get up and you go. But here's what I want to say to us. Some of you are here in your seat. And you know that you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You know that if you stood before God today, you do not know what would happen to you. You say, Mark, I want to know that I've got a relationship with Jesus. I'm going to invite you to pray this prayer with me right there where you sit. If you want to give your life to Jesus Christ today, right there where you're at. Say, dear Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sin. Come into my life and save me. Change me. Make me new. I give my life to you. I want to follow you to the best that I can. With every head bowed and every eye closed, did you just pray that prayer? Did you just pray that prayer? Or maybe you didn't, but you want to. I'm going to count to three again, and here's what I want to do. I'm going to count to three, and as soon as I say three, if you want to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ, would you just simply raise your hand? Just simply put your hand in the air today. As soon as I say three, if you want to begin a relationship with Jesus, give him your life. One, two, three. Raise your hand right now. Raise your hand right now if that's you. If you need to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ, you make that move, you take that step right now. You make that move, you take that step. If you need to get up and you go to pray with somebody, you get up and you make that move right now. This is your time. Dear Jesus, thank you so much that you've got more invested in our lives than we do. Jesus, you've got great plans for us. You've got great plans for our families. And so, Father, I pray that when we leave in just a few moments, we would begin to seek you. You want to be the center of our lives. Jesus, we begin to seek you together. We begin to seek you so that you could prepare us for the one, that person that you're bringing to us. Jesus, we love you. Thank you that you loved us first. Someone, let's give God a shout of praise today that he's met with us, that he loves us, that he wants to work in our lives. And here's what I want to ask you to do. Nobody move right now. This is a significant time. Because right now, I want to ask you, would you take your connection card, turn that card over, and fill that out in any way that you can, any decision you've made today? We want to know about that. Listen, if you made the decision to give your life to Jesus today, would you let us know about that on your way out today? Stop there in the back and let somebody know, hey, I prayed to get saved today. 
or maybe you need to get baptized, check that box. But as you're filling that out, I want to make a couple things aware uh, to you. Number one, we're doing a couple things to try to take this series to the next level, okay? So I want want to make you aware of two things. Number one, this Friday night from 6 to 9, we're having an event right here at uh, the Summit Kids area called Date Your Spouse. And the goal is for you to bring your kids, drop them off, and take your spouse on a date, all right? So if you want to go walk around Walmart for three hours without kids, you're welcome, all right? Just do, but take your spouse on a date. Dude, it's this Friday night. One more thing. We're starting a marriage life group to help couples who want to strengthen their marriage wherever you're at. It starts this Saturday night, February the 16th at 6 o'clock. And we're asking you, if you want to be a part of that group, let us know. All you need to do today on your way out, visit the next step booth there in the back and just let them know you want to be a part of that group. We'll put your name down and contact information. We'll get in touch with you. Hey, next week is going to be an amazing week for part two of Weird Marriage. We've got something really special for you in store. It's going to be a great time. Make sure to drop off those connection cards on your way out. If you're a first-time guest, man, thank you so much for being here today. And let us know that you were here. Hey, let's stand up. Let's worship. Love you guys. We'll see you next week.